Gutter Trash, episode 207, Profits. My name is Eric. I am Jason. How's it going? It is going well. Okay. How about you? Uh, I'm a little chilly. Yeah, it's chilly. Yeah. I mean, I feel good. Oh, you're, you're wearing a, a knit hat and a, and a coat. Yeah. <laughs> hey, yeah. I'm also the dumbass that left my window open the entire day. Oh, really? Yeah. Did you just close it when you came in? Yep. Oh, man. We've only been over about <clears throat> half an hour. So uh, the, the 30 degree wind has uh, blown in here for about eight, nine hours. It's gotten chillier throughout yeah. this day. I, I walked uh, I walked Uma at like 7.30 this morning, and it wasn't nearly as chilly as it is now. No, it was pretty warm out in the morning. Yeah. yeah. It was raining, but mm-hmm. uh, yeah, it was, it was uh, like in the 50s. Yeah, it was nice. Yeah, yeah it was. Uh, and, and I don't mind the cold weather. I just don't like the, the snow that, uh, may or may not come. Hopefully it does not. Yeah, I've heard, uh, I've heard some stories. Yeah. Might be coming. You might have heard that about me before. Uh, oh, no, I mean, I've, I've heard oh. stories that the snow might be coming. Yeah. Fuck it. <laughs> fuck it. Fuck you all. That's what I have to say about that. Yeah. <laughs> I should just buy a bunch of fake snow and, like, pour it out all over your car so when... You wake up in the morning, you look out the window, and you see, like, snow covered your car. Yeah. And in reality, it's really, like, you know, 50 degrees. Yeah, I'm pretty sure uh, that won't fool me. <laughs> Even that early in the morning? Yeah. Hmm. You're a clever one, Mr. Schoenborn. Yeah, I've, uh, I've acclimated. I've, uh, against my will, I've become a morning person. Yeah. Yeah. Because uh, even, uh... Even this weekend, uh, like I, I tried to stay up as late as I could on Friday, uh, so I went to bed around one thirty, almost 2 o'clock, and uh, still woke up at like 7.30. Wow. So you're giving in. I'm not giving in. Yeah. It's just, <clears throat> I don't know. Society has won. Yeah. <laughs> But on the other hand, I, I did sleep till like ten thirty on the Sunday morning. So mm-hmm. well, that's pretty good. Yeah, it's pretty good. No, I'm pretty sure that uh, you know the the Thanksgiving holiday is coming up. I'm gonna have like four days off in a row. I'm sure by uh, Saturday that day I'll be uh, staying up till six a.m. and you know sleeping till mm-hmm. you know four p.m. Ooh. Yeah, because uh, that is what I naturally revert to. Right. Uh, you know, given. Uh, given the time. That's awesome. Four days off in a row. Oh, yeah. That is sweet. I'm so looking forward to it. Yeah. Plus, Thanksgiving. Mm-hmm. That's nice. Yeah. Right? It is a week and a half away. That's crazy. It is crazy. Oh, my gosh. I need to go hang out with my brother before he disappears into the mall that is the mall. Because, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, seriously, he works like 60-hour weeks starting the day after Thanksgiving until uh, like New Year's Day, basically, because right. of all the returns right after Christmas. So. So yeah, we just don't see him until uh, <laughs> next year. 
when he uh, when he comes out, is he uh, just covered in uh, the blood of uh, sports fans? Yeah, like one of his arms is like twitching, and yeah. Yeah. <laughs> his pants are shredded, and you know, he's got a cadaver laying by his feet. Perhaps, uh, perhaps when he uh, you know, comes out the other side of January, he will uh, pop out of some sort of underground pod with a variety of tools and sentient uh, equipment. Doesn't make any sense. No. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, he might. Yeah. <laughs> You, of course, are referring to John Prophet. Yes, I am. Oh, so uh, this is, uh, was this the first one that came out? The uh, the, the relaunch of the Extreme Studio? Yeah, films? I believe it was. Okay. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, because Glory and Bloodstrike and something else. Yeah. Youngblood. Yeah. yeah, and Supreme. And Supreme. Yeah. Oh, Supreme may have been first. I can't remember. Uh, hmm. I can't remember. Yeah, but I'm gonna say with some confidence it was probably profit. Yeah. yeah. Okay. Uh, so yeah, here we go. <laughs> uh, so so this was a, a Rob Liefeld comic. Once upon a time, all right back way back into the nineties. Yeah. When all of our listeners were just children. Yeah, including us. Yeah, including us. Yeah, well, yeah we were children. Yeah. Slightly older children. Fourteen-year-old children. Yeah. yeah. Uh, yeah. Prophet showed up in uh, I think the second issue of Youngblood. That's right. Wow. Good call. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Uh, I. You know, to this day, I have only ever read Youngblood number one. Really? Yeah. And that was you know back when I I didn't so much dislike Rob Liefeld. Yeah. But, but uh, yeah, Youngblood number one was the only of his uh, image books wow. that I ever read. That's surprising. Yeah. I think I've got to issue four, and I stopped. Yeah. I don't think I ever even bought any of them. No. But, uh, you know, but, like, I read Cyber Force and Wildcats and Shadowhawk. And, but, yeah, just that one issue of Youngblood ever. Hmm. Uh, I'm a little shocked at myself. Yeah, that is yeah. strange. I mean, you know... I don't know, like, it's not strange when you, like, have hindsight, you know? Right, because, yeah, yeah. But, I mean, like, back then, that was like, you're like, holy shit, this is, this is huge. Yeah, you know? yeah. And it was like, even if you weren't into it, you'd have to be curious about that. Because, oh, yeah, yeah. like, Image was, I mean, I remember, I remember that very vividly when Image came out. It was like, this is big fucking news, oh, yeah, big, big thing. deal. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, I mean, I wanted to buy everything from Image. Like, you know, I, I, I never even heard of fucking Jim Valentino, and yet I rushed out and bought two copies of Shadowhawk. You know? uh, like, so, look at that embossed cover. This is going to be the tits. Oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh So, yeah, so I, I missed out on the whole Youngblood thing. I uh, never read any stories with profit in it. Uh, just saw him pop up in ads a lot, and then I remember his book came out with uh, art by Stephen Platt. Oh yeah, well originally I believe it was Dan Panuzin, okay. whatever his name was. But the ones that looked awesome, yeah, those were the ones that right. Stephen Platt did. <laughs> it was like maybe like five, I don't know four or five issues in because I only ever read. The, I own a bunch of Profits now, <laughs> but I only ever read the very first issue of Profit. Okay, I read a lot of Image number ones, and right, right. that one just I guess didn't make me want to read more. <laughs> right, right. Uh, yeah, I think you're right though. I think it was uh, I do in my 
past brain repulsing Dan Fidozian, who, who, uh, not that great an artist. No, yeah, like, because that guy has, like, a Liefeldian style. Right. But, like, less stylish. Yeah. Than Rob Liefeld. I will say, uh, like, I've seen his artwork now, and he is definitely improved. Yeah? Like, I I think he is definitely a a much better artist. It's still not a thing that I'm into, but at least I can point to it and say that that is, you know, skillfully done. Right. Well, that's good. Right. Some some image artists that we've named already. Yeah. (laughs) Can't say that. Uh, let's see, Rob Liefeld, uh, yeah. Stephen Platt. I, I think Liefeld's the yeah the one I was thinking. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Stephen Platt also yeah back in the day, uh, I, I remember him being such a big deal. Oh yeah, like he was huge. Yeah, those Moon Knight issues that he did. Oh yeah. Oh, yeah. I mean yeah, fucking Moon Knight was like a hot back issue. Yeah, <laughs> yeah how crazy is that world? <laughs> <laughs> and then. If you go back and look at those, they're terrible. There's like badly drawn, but with a thousand little Tiny dots lines, and lines. Yeah. 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 Uh, that just maybe is more of a comment on like how starved we were for something different. You know? Yeah. yeah. <clears throat> uh, like I remember, I remember there being. And this may be like one of those things that like just always stuck with me, and that's why I never wanted to get into profit right. uh, as as a book or a character. Was I remember the Wizard magazine poster that had uh, Stephen Platt profit on it with like some midget guy, and it was like uh, count the bullet casings, and like you know, win a free signed copy of something. It's awesome. Uh, oh, it was probably, he had a sidekick named Kirby that I think was named after uh, Jack Kirby. Of course. And he was really tiny. That or Prophet was really huge. I don't know. Uh, probably a little bit of both. Yeah. There. Yeah. Uh, yeah, I remember now who he did have a sidekick named Kirby. Yeah. yeah. That's a thing that I hate <laughs> always. <laughs> that happens a lot, too. Yeah, it does. In fact, the next issue of Veggie Dog Saturn has... My uh, my my imaginary friend Kirby that walks around and <laughs> smokes cigars and leaves a trail of Kirby crackle everywhere he goes. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, the only time that that has ever been done well is uh, there's an episode of the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles cartoon that came out like five years ago. Yeah, yeah. That uh, Jack Kirby is in. Yep. Uh, they never mentioned him by name, but it is just. It's Jack Kirby. I'm pretty sure that he was actually in the comic that was that was based on the Donatello micro one shot. Okay. And I'm pretty sure he was the same character, although I haven't read that since I was like 12, so I can't, right. can't remember. Right. But yeah, I think I think yeah, I think that was done well too. Yeah. Uh, I, I think the key to that is that uh, it's not some stupid homage that that clearly is supposed to be Jack Kirby, and they don't mention him by name. Yeah. I think those things, those two things make it work. Right. But, like, you know, yeah, just naming a character Kirby because I like him. Yeah. It's just <laughs> dumb. <laughs> so, uh, I did a little reading to discover what the hell the original prophet was about. Mm-hmm. Uh, apparently, he was sort of a uh, kind of a Captain America type character. He was a, uh, he was a, a guy from the 30s who uh, he was uh, destitute and uh, 
he he volunteered for a scientific experiment. That's right. Yeah, it was like a super soldier type yeah, of thing. Yeah, turned him into a super yeah. soldier. Uh, but then like, uh, he was supposed to be used for evil, and then the scientist that uh, turned him into it uh, decided to reprogram him and turn him into a soldier of good. Oh, that was a twist. Yeah, and then uh, bounced him through uh, history so that uh, he wouldn't uh, face the, the bad guy in charge. Oh, well. I didn't. I couldn't remember that part. But, yeah. So you know, and that's that's the one thing I'll say about Liefeld. Always interesting concepts. Just yeah. Mostly horrible execution. <laughs> um. So then there's this. This is uh similar. This, I mean, uh, hmm. in a vague, very vague, uh, loose kind of way, <laughs> it is. Similar-ish. It honestly might as well just not be called Prophet. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's got like... <clears throat> it's got the he wakes up in the wrong time kind of yeah. thing. You know? he, he is a genetically engineered super soldier of sorts. Mm. Uh, other than that, just uh, a completely different type of book. Yeah, but I mean, isn't that probably a good thing? <laughs> Usually. Yeah. Um, yeah, so, so, like, I think uh, of these relaunched, uh, Extreme Studios books, uh, I think Supreme sort of, it, well, it picked up where, where Alan Moore left off, uh, but then Eric Larson decided to do his own thing with it after he wrapped that up. Right. And then, uh, you know, sort of started sending it and it's, you know, another direction. Uh, but at the same time, it's, it's still that same character. It's still, you know, everything that had been built up to that point in that character is, is there. Still in place, right? Right. And I think, uh, Bloodstrike is, is doing a similar thing. Uh, and I think Glory is sort of like, kind of like a halfway kind of thing where, where, it's not exactly the same kind of book that it was, but it's, like, similar enough. Okay. You know? Uh, but this is completely different. <laughs> uh, this is, uh... Obviously, this is just Brandon Graham had an idea for a story, and then Rob Liefeld asked him to do Profit or something, <laughs> and he just decided, oh, I'll just do my story and call it Profit. <laughs> <laughs> it is... It is much... Stranger than the original prophet, and that is the understatement <laughs> of the century. <laughs> and there's uh, a lot less biblical quotes because I remember they're like the first half of uh, prophet number one was nothing but like Bible quotes right. and like his uh, narration or, or whatever. Um, but man, yeah, yeah, I uh, I I couldn't tell if you were gonna love this or hate this. But I knew it was probably going to be one of those things. Uh-huh. I'm guessing that you hate it. Yep. <laughs> oh, man. All right. This is uh, one of those things where, like, after the show, you're going to apologize and then complain about how it always seems like you have to apologize for uh, a book <laughs> or, or a movie that you pick. Uh-huh. Uh, don't. No, no, no. I wasn't going to because I loved this one. Okay, but 
you were still going to apologize anyway that I hated it. Oh, okay. And I let's let's put this in the in the mix here. Uh-huh. I bought this of my own free will. Oh yeah, that's I right. was buying this book from the get go. That's right. Yeah. I read the first issue and I enjoyed it a lot, and I said, "Hey, I'm going to keep reading that." And then I just, like everything else I buy, just didn't. Just let it pile up. Right? Yeah, right. Uh, and that's a thing that I do sort of on purpose. Uh, I do like to read like a chunk of something at a time. Yeah, yeah. I feel it's a better reading experience. Agreed. Uh, but at the same time, I believe that this book has taught me to not do that anymore. <laughs> oh, <laughs> because now I am stuck with nine issues of a book that I do not like. Oh man. I, uh, in fact, today, uh, went to my, uh, mail order, uh, service and, uh, removed it from, uh, my next shipment Aww. and, uh, removed it from my, uh, pull list entirely. <clears throat> that said. That, that makes me hurt. Uh, well, <laughs> that said, I think I only hate it because of me. Oh, what's that mean? I don't think I hate it because of the book it is. Okay. I think it's just not for me. Oh, okay. Well, that makes sense. It is, uh, everything about this book is the type of science fiction that I hate. Really? With a passion. Oh, man. (laughs) (laughs) So, like, the, uh, like, hardcore, weird, just, like, unexplainable sort of, yeah. Do not like that. I do not like... Impenetrable gobbledygook. Oh, I love it. It, it is. It is uh, nothing for me. It is. It is just something I avoid whenever someone just mentions science fiction. That is the thing that flashes into my head, and I say no, thank you. <laughs> Even if it's just you know, uh, you know, light sci-fi or whatever. Like like I'm wary. Right. Right. You know. Uh, didn't you? I mean, you like heavy metal, though, right? The no. magazine. Okay, I was say because this reminds me so much of heavy metal magazine. Yeah, I agree with you one hundred percent. This is like it reminds me a lot of stuff that I've seen from like Mobius. Yeah, yeah. You mm-hmm. know, like like uh, I don't I don't know what specific book it was that he was he did, but a lot of like desert like landscapes yeah. with uh, uh, like weird air, creatures, air garage or something. Yeah, maybe. Yeah, yeah, stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, like it totally has that vibe. And it is totally not made for me. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) No, okay. Before we get too far into this, I'm curious because, like, on the last episode, we said, hey, you know, let's read the first trade, which is 21 through 26. Right. But we both have all the issues. How far did you read? I read all of them. Okay, me too. Okay, Okay, sweet. So we can, uh, we can talk past number 26. We could, if I knew (laughs) what the hell was going on. Okay. Well, I will say, The, the part of the the joy of that sort of sci-fi for me is like I don't understand everything that that I read and like and a lot of it I like okay let me read that page again you know right. like that happened a lot but I don't think it's like integral because it's more about the feel and the like tone as it is um, you know like understanding all the mechanics behind it all. Well, I don't want to understand the mechanics. Mm-hmm. Like that's another thing that I dislike about sci-fi oh yeah i don't need you to go in and explain everything to me <laughs> right. i don't want that yeah. at all 
That's why I hate things like Star Trek, where they feel the need to expound for 20 minutes on See, how the warp drive works. That's what you get when you let a scientist write a fiction. They're like, I know how this would work. <laughs> let me explain it now. <laughs> that's the beauty of having uh, just like some stoner from uh, Seattle. Right. 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 And, I, and I don't mean that to sound derogatory, but clearly this man does drugs. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh... Yeah, so so I don't need that type of stuff in my in, in any kind of sci-fi, uh, but but I would like a semblance of uh, of of a grounding, you know, a character I can latch onto, uh, a, a story that that seems to be forming somewhere. I, you know, I didn't quite get it the first because I read the first like two or three issues, something like that, when it came out. I think it was just the first couple. Um, and I reread all of them this time in like a big chunk, like right in a row. And, and like, I understood the story a lot better this time around because I mean, it's basically, you know, he's waking up on earth after all the humans are gone, basically. And he's trying to like reconnect and re like start, you know, start working for the, that like second empire or whatever. Cause I guess they rebelled against the original uh, human empire. Um, so I mean, I get that it's more of like, a journey and uh and like it's just like all of his travails as he as he you know heads towards uh i get that too right yeah. okay and uh, and i get that uh you know every couple of issues we we shift focus you know on another group of characters mm-hmm. who are also all john prophet right right you know because they're all clones right right everyone in this book is a clone of the original john prophet Mm -hmm. uh and the original john prophet also shows up yeah Mm -hmm. which like i got to that particular issue which it's probably a spoiler but uh sorry Uh, (laughs) because because that doesn't happen until like four or five issues in right uh but but i got to that issue and i was like oh okay well we're picking up some steam you know, like things are forming now. Like, like some of the stuff in the first couple of issues start to make sense, right? And then in the very next issue, everything just goes to <laughs> shit again. <laughs> With the like the robots exoskeleton oh, suit. Yeah. Oh, oh, see, I love that. I, I love that. Oh god, damn it! <laughs> I had a very difficult time getting through a lot of these issues. Really? And, and like, I, I did generally read them all in like a chunk. Like mm-hmm. I read like the last five issues of this uh, book from like you know 24 through 29 you know like like in a in a sitting right and like i just found myself just glazing over <laughs> oh. and i gotta also say this that uh, the art doesn't help oh you mean like the change in art or uh yeah i, I think the artist on the first three issues uh, simon roy mm-hmm. it was the first three or the first four uh, at least three. Yeah, yeah first, the first three. three. Okay, so Simon Roy did, drew the first three, and I think he's really good. Mm-hmm. I really enjoyed his work on that book. Uh, but like you know, and, and he's still listed in the credits, but you know, not as an artist. He's like co-writer, yeah. Yeah, and I kind of wish that at some point he would have done the art again. And I kind of wish that, uh, you know, the fact that we invested three issues in time in one version of John Prophet, 
then maybe that guy would return at some point again. <laughs> hey, you never know. He might. Well, I'm sure, yeah. but I'm not going to read it anymore. Right. So, you know, you've lost me on that. I'd say because there's, yeah, there's like three or four different artists, but I think it sort of fits because... They're all keep... doing their own different thing. Yeah. And, and I... that's fine. Because uh, Feral Dowrymple, uh does uh, a couple of them, and they all follow a different version of John Prophet. Right. Uh, one with a tail. Yeah, for some reason. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and, and I thought, like, I thought that first issue that he drew, I thought was really good. Yeah, it was cr- fucking creepy. Yeah. Like, where he's roaming these halls and he sees, like, other versions of himself. Right, yeah. That was, like, one of the creepier one-shot comics I've ever read. Right. And, and I enjoyed a lot of that book. Uh, and then uh, the second issue that he draws, uh, I thought, you know, because we returned back to that version of the character again, mm-hmm. picking up from where that issue left off. And I enjoyed that somewhat, but I just really like Feral Dowerable. Oh my god, that second issue that he drew, I I have to say, I mean, maybe it's because I just read it very recently and I'm like all right. hyped up on it, but that is one of the best drawn comics, that single issue. I would say it's in my top 50 favorite single issue, <laughs> like, drawn comics ever. It, there's just so much amazing stuff about that, like like Perfect. the color tones, like when... Like when things shift to this like black and white with like just the presence of red, yeah. um, and and I mean like not that that's never been done before, but it just works so perfectly because he's in this weird alien environment, and then and then just like all the multitude of like creatures and like just the, those those like two page splash pages where there there's a big war going on. Right. I fucking love that issue. Oh my god. <laughs> <laughs> and I was never a huge Feral Dalrymple fan. I've I've read like I don't know Pop Gun War and something else by him, and like you know I thought he was good and everything, but I couldn't believe how awesome I thought these two issues were that he drew. I have pretty much always been a huge Feral Dalrymple fan. Uh, like you know the first time I ever saw his work, uh, it was back when my partner and I were working together, and we were trying to find. Uh, printers to publish comics through mm-hmm. and uh, he wound up writing to this one company and they sent us like a sample of like books that they did and one of them was uh, a Feral Dalrymple book like, oh, wow. very first ones uh, yeah, things like Smith's Misadventures and something or other huh. <clears throat> and, like you know it was gorgeous and uh, then like you know yeah I followed him through Meat House and uh, yeah. uh, Pop Gun War and yeah, I've just always loved his work. So like when I heard that he was going to be doing issues of profit, like I got even yeah, more. Yeah. Oh for yeah. It. Yeah. I watched uh, Dave Sim give him a space prize once. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that was pretty cool. I've got a, uh, a sketch somewhere in here floating around that uh, he gave me. Nice. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Back when uh, back when he did space. Yeah. 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 <laughs> now the only two famous people that do space <clears throat> is Nate Powell and me. Right. <laughs> 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 so so yeah so basically I guess the the the, the long way around this is that uh, I don't like Giannis Melogianis. Yeah, I I think he's a fine artist, but he's my least favorite of the group just because of his like very very heavily like manga influenced. But it's like manga influenced. It's not. Right. Manga. It's manga without any detail. Yeah, it's like and and, and it's just all speed line and and a lot of sketchy. Like yeah, it looks yeah. like 
like someone that would like do layouts for a manga. Right, right. Because it's real sketchy and sparse. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it doesn't have the like, you know, very deliberate curvings that you know, like just very like. There's a lot of like geometric curves in the manga, you know. Right, right. And uh, this, yeah, his, his stuff's very different. It's very, yeah, it is super loose and super sketchy, and I did not enjoy it. And I don't like. I don't know if it was just because of the art, uh, but like that portion of this story is also my least favorite part of it. Yeah. Uh, like, like, yeah, you know, mine too. Didn't like the characters or. Yeah, his his portion of the story, I think. Was my least favorite, but his art did start to grow on me. Like I noticed after like a couple issues that he drew, I, I was liking it more. Maybe I mean maybe it was like the subject matter changed because there was like all that stuff with the root systems and right. like I think his art maybe works better with stuff like that than it does like you know out in outer space and spaceships. But but yeah yeah I definitely definitely agree that uh, uh Roy. <clears throat> Dalrymple, and then the issues that Brandon Graham drew himself, like, those were the ones that I really enjoyed right. the artwork in. Uh, I gotta say, I'm not a huge fan of Brandon Graham's artwork. Really? Yeah. Okay. Uh, I guess it's, it's neat looking in small doses, but, uh, like, uh, I've never read King City. Mm-hmm. Like, like, I've never read anything else he's done that I'm aware of. Like, I know, like, I think most of these guys, all of these guys, like, do come from that Meat House community. Yeah. Uh, so I'm I'm sure that I've seen all their work. You know, like like what was that we were talking about? Uh, uh, Matt Kent. You know, uh, he's he's doing the book uh, Mind Management, mm-hmm. and he's also doing some work for DC here and there. Right. And so it's like within the past couple of years, like he's he's kind of blown up a little bit. Yeah. And uh, it turns out that like you know, twelve years ago, I bought like two graphic novels <laughs> that he did. Right. And like you know, just was like Wh- whatever. You know, yeah, just, yeah. It was just something to read, not because it was him. Right. right yeah. Right. So like, I'm sure like all these guys, I'm sure I've seen their work in like various meat house I, anthologies. I remember. Whatever. I remember in the like mid to late '90s, Brandon Graham was. Uh, it wasn't self published. I think it was like Antarctic or something. But he was writing and drawing a book called October Yin that I thought was awesome. And I just remember one day at Mavericks, I was the only one working there. This was back before Magic was huge. So. Yeah. When you weren't, when you were the only one working there, you could read comics. So I remember I read October Yen and I was like, wow, this is awesome. And, and I wrote him and said, Hey, this is a great comic. And I think he was like 19 at the time or something. And, uh, he was really cool. He like wrote back and like sent me some, you know, Xeroxes of other stuff he was working on. And yeah, I mean, he, he's cool and I've, I've been a fan of his for a long time. So I was, I was stoked to see, to see him, uh, get some, you know, some big exposure. Right. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, but, but I, no, I mean, I was yeah, saying yeah. like his, like the issue that he drew. So I, so I really liked his art and I've watched it progress because his art was a little more, uh, not as smooth, I guess maybe, but it was real similar back right. then. Um, Is it balloon art? <laughs> you think of Cliff Chang. <laughs> Oh man, the owner of the store I work at is fucking crazy. That's what that inside joke's about. Yeah, that's for nobody. Yeah. Oh yeah. Quick, quick tangent. Okay. Uh, he was telling us to cut the orders on Wonder Woman because if they 
kept up with that balloon art, it just was not going to sell. <laughs> we were like, uh, me and Joe both heard him, and we were like, what? <laughs> what does that even mean? <laughs> uh, sorry. Yeah. Uh, um, but anyway, yeah, I, I'm, like I said, I'm sure I've seen all these guys work previously to this, but like, you know, I, I don't remember it. Mm-hmm. Uh, but yeah, just based on this one issue, I, I don't think that, oh, well, based on the entire series mm-hmm. and based on the one issue that he drew, I don't think that, uh, I am meant to be a fan of Brandon Graham's. See, his stuff reminds me of like a cross between like Jeff Darrow and then like, I don't know, like, you know, something super simple and cartoony, like something like Mickey Mouse right. or something, but but, I mean, there's all these, like, crazy... Yeah. yeah, I mean, he puts, like, tons of, like, weird details in, but then, like, he'll just put them in just the right places, and then the rest of the page is drawn real sparsely and cartoony, and it kind of, like, fools you into thinking it's all really detailed, because there's, like, this one little section that's super detailed, and then there's, like, a giant mountain behind it. Right. And, and like, for a second, you're like, wow, this is crazy, and you're like, wait a minute, there's only, like, eight lines on this page. <laughs> so, like, I think he's really talented in that respect, but... I, I mean, I totally get how his style isn't perfect for, for everybody. Right. And, like the taste, the taste of his art. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I really wanted to like this book. I really did. Uh, like I said, I did like the first issue and, and, uh, yeah, I was, I was pretty on board for that first story arc. Mm-hmm. Uh, but then beyond that, like it just really started losing me. Uh, like, like, I was still pretty much on board, like, with the, the Feral Dowerimple issue, but, uh, like, like, it just seemed like it seemed to be more excessively weird and right. impenetrable and just, you know. But I think that's part of its charm for me. Yeah. The weirdness. That, like, the, like, it almost reminds me of, like, when you read Grant Morrison stuff and it's, like, so bizarre, you know, he's talking about, like, the crystal entities, like, right. mind fevers and stuff. And and you're like, like Grant Morrison does it a little differently though. Where I don't know, maybe it's more digestible the way he does it. The way Grant Morrison does it is that uh, he grounds it in some sort of reality, and he also tries to have a character or two that you can relate to. Right. Yeah. And, and this has none of that. <laughs> That's the guy's name is John. I've met people named John. <laughs> <laughs> well, I haven't. <laughs> Oh, well, there's your problem. <laughs> Let me, we'll take a break. I'll introduce you to my friend John. He, he lives two houses over. Um, so, did, I mean, I was curious, though. Did you uh, did you ever, were you a fan of, like, the Conan comics from the 80s? Like, uh, yeah, uh, I Actually, honestly, I never really got into Conan until, like, okay. maybe 10 years ago or so. Uh, so, yeah, I never really read the, the old Marvel Conan books. But... Well, see, the only reason I even say the 80s ones is because I'm not as familiar with the new ones, but, right. but this kind of reminds me of that sort of, like, you know, he's just, he's on this kind of mission, but every issue, like, a, of the Conans that I remember, he would just be like, he would encounter something and have to, like, kind of mess with that. Right. And then go back to, you know, his overarching, you know, Story, right. travel, yeah. And this kind of reminds me of that whole Conan sort of. Uh, the, there, there is a definite Conan vibe throughout this book, like, mm-hmm. uh, you know, that, that, 
I agree with you 100% about that. Especially when Daryl draws him. Right, yeah. He yeah. looks like Conan. A little bit, yeah. Uh, like, yeah, even on the the covers that Simon Roy does, like, he's got a very Conan type of look. Yeah. Uh, but, you know, yeah, I just, uh, I mean, that does sound a little bit similar to the Kurt Busiek, uh Conan books that, you know, that I started reading. Right. You know, uh, which I enjoy greatly, and I do like the Conan uh, that I have experienced. Uh, but it's probably because it's just not as bizarre and unexplainable. It's not entirely as bizarre, and there's right. also a central character, yeah, rather than five versions of that central character. <laughs> right, who right. are all vastly sort of different, right? You know, <laughs> who we never stick with for more than an issue or two, right? Yeah, I mean, I. I mean, I wouldn't use the word off-putting, but there's definitely some parts of it that are, like, I don't know, jarring and maybe even at times slightly confusing. But I think part of that is what makes me like it so much is that it's so weird and different that it just keeps me, like, keeps me entertained and, like, it just seems so, I don't know, it's just really unique. And I get that this whole thing, like, obviously, he's building like this huge epic story. Right. Get that. But I'm not on board. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Because uh, <clears throat> nine issues in, like, something has to keep me around. Right. You know, right. rather than, like, I just keep forgetting to read the book. You know? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that's what a lot of the companies are starting to go for, that that move there. Like, let's, <laughs> let's uh, get them to buy the book and then get them to forget that they haven't read it yet so they keep buying it <laughs> and then we could just print whatever crap we want there uh i mean obviously this is definitely uh you know he, he's got a plan he's got a vision in mind for it you know and more power to him uh i hated this book but i can't say that it's a bad book mm-hmm. i can only just say that it's not the type of book that is ever meant for me. Right. Well, yeah. That's perfectly reasonable. Right. Yeah. Um, I will definitely keep reading it. Okay. Uh, I'm, especially now that, uh, like the main monthly comic that I was buying, Sweet Tooth, I think only has one more issue. Right. So I'm pretty stoked to have something monthly that I'm really into. Right. Right. Until he gets hired by DC to, to write a bunch of crap and then, uh, lets his, uh, his main comic go to shit. Pretty sure Jeff Lemire always intended to sweet tooth. Yeah. No, no, I, and I, and I, and go to shit is a little harsh, but I would say if Sweet Tooth wasn't ending in the next month or two, I probably would just find a jumping off point because, like, I fucking loved that book of, like, the first, I don't know, 20 or 30 issues. And then in the last few, like, the last six or eight, uh, I don't know. It just seems to, just be going nowhere and like like before i even heard that it was ending i was considering like dropping it right um so once i heard it was ending i was like well i'll i'll stick around but it became it went from being like my favorite monthly book to being like just another book that i read which kind of sucks because i was so excited about the first like two years that it was coming out well i think that's actually a thing that happens with all books um (laughs) Because, uh, at least, uh, that type of book, that, that creator-owned, you know, personal vision kind of thing. Uh, because I loved Preacher. 
And then right around issue 60 or so, like, it just sort of got really boring and occasionally really bad. Yeah. Uh, but then, like, in the last three issues, it, like, picked up and uh, then it ended. Right. You know, because he was building to that end. Well, yeah, yeah. You know. Exact. I think this is exactly it because the part where I started getting uninterested was whenever it felt like it was meandering or, like, it wasn't going anywhere. Right. But these last couple issues have been really good because he's got the end planned. And, right, yeah. And, and uh, Transmetropolitan had the same thing. I think even the Invisibles uh, suffered at, towards the end a little bit. Ooh. Yeah. Ooh, those are And I Ooh. love the I, I know you do. Yeah. That, that surprised me. I didn't, see, I don't remember any, I don't remember a single issue of Invisibles not being awesome. Right. But, but I don't know. I might be remembering it with rose-colored glasses because right. it's been 20 years since I read it. So, so yeah, but uh, I think... Like, whether it's an editorial thing or whether it's just, uh, you know, like a, a thing where a creator, you know, knows that the end is near, but they don't necessarily want to let it go just yet. Yeah. So they're trying to maybe stretch some things out right. a little bit to spend a little more time with it, you know, when maybe they should just think about wrapping it up. Yeah, just end it. Yeah. And then, like, and then maybe in the back of your mind, keep those characters. And if you think of another story, you can always yeah, yeah. put out a little lost tale later. Exactly, you know. yeah. Because yeah. I'm sure, you know, in five years or so, somebody's going to say to Jeff Lemire, hey, have you ever thought about going back to Sweet Tooth? Yeah. 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 You know, maybe maybe that's what I'll do from now on, is like when a book gets to around issue 24, I'll just wait and not read anymore until I hear it's going to end, and I'll pick up the last few issues. Right. <laughs> just to preemptively save myself from bad writing. Yeah. Uh, uh, but, you know, yeah, back to profit, like, I mean, this this definitely seems like a book that, that is like a sweet tooth. Like, everything about this book should just be a creator-owned book instead of just a work-for-hire Rob Liefeld comic. Right. Yeah. You know? But that adds this weird element it to does. it, too. It does. It really does. I mean, i got to say that the only reason that I even bought it in the first place was because because of that. Because, you know, it's, right. it's clearly something so different than, you know, what the Rob Liefeld version right. was. And, and, and it baffles me, too, that, like, did he... Because Liefeld picked all these yeah, yeah. creators, right? Yeah. That blows my mind that Rob Liefeld's <laughs> ever heard of Brandon Graham. Right. Like, even now, I wonder if he's, like, read a single issue of, of anything Brandon's ever done, <laughs> <laughs> including this book. <laughs> you know? Right. Okay, yeah. Cause, that is so weird. Because, yeah, because uh, as I like, pointed out earlier, you know, like, like, I think Glory is the only one that's similar enough to this where it's, like, you know, just a different enough concept. Whereas, like, Supreme and Bloodstrike and Youngblood, obviously, you know, th those oh, yeah. are essentially those books. It's just continuing, right? Right, yeah. Uh, so, yeah, it's so weird that, that he, <laughs> you know, like, just, you know, like, obviously the... Like, I don't know how it worked. I don't know if he, he just picked Brandon Graham and said, hey, why don't you give me a pitch? Or whether Brandon Graham approached Rob Liefeld and said, hey, I've got an idea. Yeah. You know. I, I wonder, yeah, because, or, like, maybe there was a good middleman that, like, knows Rob Liefeld, right, right yeah. but he was, like, hip. and Because it just it blows my mind. I mean, I don't know. Maybe I get Rob Liefeld all wrong, but I can't imagine that he would have ever read anything by Brandon Graham. Right. But maybe, maybe he did. Or that he would see this. And and clearly he, oh, yeah, because, yeah, you have 
the the first issue here, number twenty one, had two different covers. Uh, you've you've got this crappy one that Liefeld didn't draw, and I've got the Liefeld one, and uh, and and the Liefeld cover is an exact uh recreation of a panel in it's it's uh this panel. I don't know. I'm not gonna find this. It's like him climbing up a side of something. Yeah, and then that like little floaty translator thing is like Behind sitting him, next yeah. to him, and it's like the same exact pose and everything. So Great. like I know Liefeld had to have seen that yeah. panel or at least like a sketch of it or something. So <laughs> so he's clearly aware of what's going on inside of this book, <laughs> but it just baffles me that he's okay oh, yeah. with it. Yeah, uh, especially because like like I mean. Whenever I think of, of what Rob Liefeld would think of sci-fi, I can only think that it's just all, you know, robots and machine guns and spaceships. Yeah, you know, yeah, exactly. Not weird organic blankets and, you know. Yeah, yeah. And, and <laughs> like, you know, giant inflatable, you know, skin suits. Right, yeah. You know. He doesn't get that shit. No. And I will say this for the, you know, as a positive again for this book is like, like there's weird concepts like that which are awesome. Oh yeah, and it's just, and yeah, that's like it's one of those things that I, I don't want that explained. I don't need it explained. I get it. You know, it's just a weird, cool thing that they do. And uh, but but there's just like so many other things going against it that that really turn me off on it. It's it's like it just seems muddled or something. Yeah, well, not so much muddled. Just you know, like you know, rein it in. Right. You know, uh, yeah, I think that, that's like I, I, I honestly believe this. I honestly think that uh, sometimes uh, boundaries help creators create better. Mm-hmm. Uh, right. Like, like uh, I actually had this exact conversation with uh, Kathleen, my co-host on the Stupid Sexy Podcast. Uh, in which I said, I love Warren Ellis. I think he's written some of the greatest comics ever written in comics. He has also written some of the worst comics ever written in comics. And usually those are ones where he doesn't have any editorial interference. Ah, yeah. I think, I think if Brandon Graham or, or whoever, like, you know, just sort of reined in the focus uh, on this book, uh, to just, you know, the first version of John Prophet that we see, just just as an example, you know, in that mission, and maybe you know expanding it from there a little, a little bit at a time, mm-hmm. uh, rather than just saying you know no, fuck you, we're we're just plunging you know fist deep all the way in, right. you know, uh, that's the part that gets me. That's, I thought you always like to go fist deep. I usually do, <laughs> just not in comics, right. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so, I mean, you know, uh, like it, it feels like me saying a really shitty thing about, you know, not letting someone's creativity just go wherever the hell they want to go. But at the same time, I, I do honestly think that you can rein yourself in and still tell the same story. Mm-hmm. And I also 100% believe that, you know, That you can write something as as weird and and as personal as you want, and still find a way to make it accessible to everybody. Mm -hmm. And and that, as a creator, that's probably 
the best description of your job that there should be mm-hmm. is to turn all that creativity into something accessible. Uh, I can I can respect that. I mean, part of me though, like, is attracted to the book because of the weirdness. Right. Like, it's just so different, and like, <clears throat> maybe if every book was like that, like, you know, it would oh, kind of uh, suck. Yeah, you know. Yeah. But but as like one unique comic and and the whole you know spectrum, I right. I, I really enjoy the. The random weirdness of it, right? And like I said, this, this is, is this is not a bad comic at all. Like, like everybody is clearly at the top of their games doing their thing. Maybe not so much the Giannis Melanchianis, but uh, you know, everyone else involved is clearly like doing their best, and, and they clearly like what they're doing, and then they're they're firing all cylinders. Uh, you know, it's just. Uh, not a book that I'm ever going to enjoy, right. uh, but obviously you do, and uh, a ton of other people do, and by all means, uh, don't let me stop you. <laughs> yeah, Rob Liefeld, you might even want to try it out sometime. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. Actually, maybe not. <laughs> not after you see what they do to Die Hard later on. Spoiler. Oh shit, that was a spoiler. Yeah. Hey, Die Hard shows up. Yeah. Hopefully some more uh, Liefeld creations will show up later. Yeah, I think that'd, that'd be cool. That'd be I'm cool. not going to be around for it. Yeah. I'll let you know, though, okay. if, like, right. if Troll pops in there. <laughs> <laughs> or Captain America. I mean, the fighting American. That's <laughs> uh, uh, kind of funny. Uh, I don't know if you're aware of this, uh, long-time Mavericks employee, oh. but uh, Mavericks has a Facebook page. What? Yeah. What's Facebook? Yeah. Uh, it's the social network. Oh, like that movie? Are they like going? Are yeah. they? Are they it's actually going to make that? Yeah. They're going to make that real now uh-huh. in our world. Yeah. Wow. Uh, you know, uh, uh, something. Uh, anyway, uh, the the administrator of the the Facebook page uh, on election night last week uh, said, "Hey, it's election day. Uh, you know, uh, who's your favorite patriotic hero?" And like had. Uh, picture of Captain America, like, vote for Captain America, you know, type of thing. Right. And so I said, uh, I prefer my uh, my patriotic heroes to look like this, and I posted a picture <laughs> of the fighting American. <laughs> That's awesome. Was it the one where he's got, like, nipples or... Uh, or no, it was just... Uh, oh, no, that was Captain America. That was Captain it? America okay. with the uh, the giant tits. Yeah. Uh, no, this was just a standard Rob Liefeld fighting American <laughs> cover. That's awesome. You know, I'm watching a, a Rob Liefeld two-page spread on eBay right now that I think, actually, I think it ends either tonight or tomorrow night. Uh, uh, you want to check eBay in the break? <laughs> we, we, well, I would, but it's already well above uh, my okay, limit because, okay, okay, okay. like, I, I'm thinking 100 bucks shipping included, I will buy myself a nice piece of Liefeld art. Right. But the That's the, funny. Nice piece. <laughs> <laughs> but they're all up to like around two hundred dollars right now. So right. I'm like, eh. Well, he's probably driving those prices up himself. He's unemployed. <laughs> yeah, he, he's been on. Well, you know, it's funny because um, there's a lot of Liefeld art that's been going up ever since the meltdown thing. Like wow. that's when it started happening. Because I've been looking for a while, and there's always like one piece of glory art. It was like a cover, and that was up forever. But ever since that meltdown thing, there's been like five pieces a week. Wow. And, uh, and they're not from Rob Liefeld. They're from this guy named like M twice. That's his name. And I'm wondering if that's like, you know, 
what happens. Maybe Rob Liefeld bids on some of them to yeah. drive them up, and then because it's not you know Rob Liefeld as the eBay seller. So. Right. It's curious. It's very curious. Uh, well, we have uh, spent this entire episode so far saying the name that should not be said anymore. <laughs> oh, uh, you could turn this into a drinking game, kids. <laughs> Go back and listen to the episode again, and anytime we say the name of he who shall not be named. <laughs> it's too late. Liefeld, 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 you are drunk and possibly dead. <laughs> who, Rob Liefeld? Yes. Okay. <laughs> I know he's retired. Oh, yeah, no, he's not. <laughs> well, obviously he was listening to this to play the drinking game. <laughs> I would love if he listens to the show and reads Prophet. That would be amazing. <laughs> Two things that he would hate. <laughs> uh, you want to take a break? Yeah. That's
Hey, welcome back to Gutter Crash. Hi, buddy. Hi. <laughs> I was hoping you hadn't had a stroke there. Oh, thought. I probably did. Uh. I probably had a few. Oh, really? Oh, yeah. Hmm. It probably explains why I feel like I'm getting dumber. <laughs> Huh. That's possible. Who knows? Yeah. I hope not. Um, so how the hell are you? Oh, I am uh, the hell okay. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Yeah, cool. Yeah, yeah. Anything uh, fun going on in the uh, world of Eric Schoenborn? What? Is there anything fun going on in the world of Eric Schoenborn? Oh, definitely not. Mm. <laughs> you seem <laughs> abhorred that I would even ask. <laughs> How could you assume yeah. I would allow fun to trickle into my life? Idiot. <laughs> uh, yeah, nothing, nothing. Uh, haven't really done anything. Um, uh, uh, yeah, I got nothing. Yeah, yeah. Um, you? Well, I uh, I had I had a fun uh, fun thing happen the other day. Yeah. Uh, I got to hang out with uh, Mr. Nate McDonough. Oh. He was in town from Pittsburgh. Um, he uh, he gave me a call spur of the moment because he had told me like a month ago that he was going to be passing through Dayton on his. He's doing like a book tour right now, his first one ever, and uh, and he was on his way to Columbus. And he gave me a call and said, "He's like, hey, I know this is short notice, but I'll be in Dayton in a couple hours." <laughs> and this was last uh, uh, Tuesday, and I happened to be off because usually I work on Tuesdays, but my schedule's recently changed. Um, so, of course, he wanted to go to Mavericks. Yeah. <laughs> so I ended up at Mavericks anyway. Um, but, yeah, we I showed him. Uh, he was he was enamored with our quarter boxes. Yeah. <clears throat> he bought some quarter books. He even bought me a, a quarter book. Oh, um, I forget what issue number it was, but it was this miniseries called Wintermen that okay. John Paul Leone drew. Yeah. And, uh, Peter Milligan? Did he write that? It wasn't Milligan, but I forget who it was, but it was somebody, it was somebody like kind of big, but I can't remember who it was. But he was like, he's like, he's like, oh my God. He's like, I can't believe you guys have this in here. He said that that is is his favorite single issue story ever. And, uh, he was like, it's kind of like this, like little, uh, you know, break in between like the main story of that miniseries. And so he, he, uh, bought it for me and yeah, it was really good. Like I heard it that night. It was really cool. But, uh, but yeah, Nate, Nate uh, for those of you who don't know, draws one of my favorite mini-comics called Grixley. And, uh, yeah, it was uh, it was cool to see him right here in uh, beautiful Dayton, Ohio. Yeah, yeah. More of you should visit Kurt. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, did that prevent you from voting? Oh, shit, was that last week? <laughs> oh man I even had my John Kerry button and I was wearing it <laughs> he was running right yep. okay cool uh, no I know I made it to vote I, made it. I uh I don't know if the listener knows this or not but uh I've uh I've spent way way too much time in the past uh, month and a half uh, watching uh episodes of Cheers on Netflix oh yeah uh, just, uh, just this past weekend, I watched an episode that, uh, John Kerry popped up on. Really? Yeah. Really? Yep. So in the 80s, what was his job there? Was he, he was a senator? I believe so. Yeah. Yeah. 
Wow, that's awesome. And this was the 90s. Oh, the Cheersman? Yeah. Wow, you've made it all the way to the 90s. I've made it all wow. the way to... I'm on the last season now. Wow. Yeah. What year was the last season? 93? 92, maybe? Yeah. yeah. Wow. That's crazy. Oh, yeah. And you've, you've <clears throat> distilled, like, two decades worth of Cheers into, like, three months. Yeah. Wow. Less than three months. Yeah. Yeah. And less than two decades. Too. Yeah. I can give you my uh, my thoughts on Cheers if you like. Let's do that. All right. Yeah. Uh, this, this is the only thing going on in my <laughs> life. Um. So. Uh, so I really didn't like the first five seasons of it. What? Yeah. Uh, I mean they were okay. Uh, the fourth season, uh, like like, I I absolutely disliked the first three seasons. Uh, the fourth season started getting some some actual. Like cleverness into it, uh, like like the writers were finally finding their footing, uh, and then the fifth season was was also pretty okay, <clears throat> but then the the sixth season, like I thought, it really started to take off, and then by the seventh and eighth season, it was it was just a genius show, mm-hmm. and it's still pretty high up there right now. I'm just starting the the final season. Wow, there's only nine. Uh, eleven. Eleven. Okay. Yeah. Um. I don't like Diane. Yeah. Yeah. That's crazy to me. Uh, I do not like Shelley Long one bit. How about Coach? Oh, I loved Coach. Yeah. Yeah. Because he was in the first couple seasons. He was in the first three, I believe, and then Woody came in on the fourth. So, I mean, so you didn't hate him. You just... You didn't I didn't think like that, him. Right. Right. Like you got some chuckles, but... Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right, right. Right. Uh, and there's this... Uh, theory that I read a long time ago, and uh, uh, I, if anyone has listened to the most recent episode of the Sex, Stupid Sexy Podcast, I also talked about this then, uh, there's this theory about television shows in which uh, the first season of a show is usually like the weakest, uh, and then the second season, like the, the, they're starting to find some footing, and maybe they're even occasionally testing out some new things. Uh, the third season is like pretty confident. They, they, they know what they're doing. They know what the characters are. And then the, the fourth, fifth, and sixth seasons is usually where like it really peaks. Okay. Uh, and then the seventh season, you know, is a pretty solid season, but you start to get some stinkers in there. And then by the eighth and ninth season, you might as well just end your show. <laughs> uh, Cheers went on for 11 seasons, but it's also two completely different TV shows. Uh, because seasons one through five is the, the Diane years, and that is one TV show. And then with season six is when uh, uh, Rebecca comes in uh, and through the end, and that is like an entirely different TV show. Okay. Uh, but the, the difference is with season six that uh, even though it's an entirely different type of show, uh, they've also had six seasons of uh, working on it. Right. Right. So it's like starting over from scratch, but at the same time you have that level okay. of, of, of solid ground right, right. to start from. Huh. Okay, because the only ones I've watched, I think, are the early, early ones, like the Diane Coach right. episodes in the last few years. Um, and those are over here, probably. Right, yeah. So yeah, I, yeah I'll, have to, I'll have to test your theory. Right, right. That's interesting. So uh, that wasted about five minutes. <laughs> <laughs> That's what she said. <clears throat> um, uh, have you read any other comics? Like, just for fun? Uh, uh, no. 
me no, neither. I have not. Me neither. Yeah. Actually, no, I read a, there was a comic in the... It was uh, interesting. I read a comic called Injury that came out this week. It was just like... I, it was like some random issue. It was like number four of Injury. And uh, when it came in, I was like, did I order this? And I looked, and I looked back because it was like from one of the small press publishers, Alternative Comics, right. that I sometimes read stuff by. But I'd never heard of it or read it or heard of the artist. And I, I looked it up and I had ordered it. And I was like, why did I order this? This is like number four of Injury. Right. So you never ordered any of the others? No, no, yeah. never. And um, But then I started reading it. And the first story was like a mostly silent story about these four high school students who all are wearing a Iron Maiden Peace of Mind t-shirt and they're all in a, a detention like after school and it's just like what they do. And it was just, it was pretty fun. It was just like they're just stoned and weird and like metal and like the first like few pages of them just like hanging outside the school waiting for detention to start, and it's like completely silent. Like they're just like, like maybe one of them like makes like a a comment about the other one's t-shirt or something, right. but but there's no like story going on. And it was just it was strange, but I was like, okay, that's why I ordered it. It's about <laughs> a bunch of Iron Maiden metalheads uh, in detention class. Huh. So that was kind of fun. Right. Was not worth six dollars though. I wow. think. Yeah, it was like a regular black and white comic with like a cardstock cover. But it, when, it, when it came in, I was like, six bucks? That seems a little a little high. Right. And yeah. Uh, you know, indies. Yeah, what are you going to do? Yeah. There was no ads. I mean, that's cool. Yeah, but, a little work. But yeah. Uh, yeah, I haven't really read anything myself. Just uh, watched a couple movies. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, watched a movie with you and my friend Amanda on Saturday. Oh yeah, uh, we did. Tales from the Crypt from 1972. Older than us. Yeah, by by, like at least seven years. <laughs> Five for me. Uh, whatever. Uh, yeah, this it was uh pretty good. Yeah, it was very good. Yeah. Um, because because we talked about last week how we watched uh Mad Ron's previews from Hell. <laughs> And this was actually a trailer in that movie. Right. And uh, when it came on, like, you know, I remember saying that, oh, yeah, I've seen that. I really liked it. And uh, Amanda had asked if, if she and I could watch it at some point. So I rented it. And uh, so she came over Saturday before you did. I asked her if she wanted to watch it. And she said she'd wait to see if you wanted to see it, too. Uh, I remember seeing it when I was like 14, maybe 13, something like that, uh, like TBS or USA or something like that, like, you know, late night on a Friday or a Saturday. Yeah. And I, I really liked it. Uh, so, you know, obviously it's been like 20 years or so since I've seen it. Mm. Uh, it totally held up. Oh yeah. Uh, and like, you know, I, I didn't remember. I remembered like all the broad strokes of it, but I didn't remember specifics. Yeah. Except for the one story uh, in it that I, I did remember pretty clearly uh, was the uh, uh, the story uh, that Peter Cushing was in. Oh yeah. Yeah. Uh, you know. Uh, I should do. I need to explain who <laughs> Peter Cushing was. <laughs> uh, he, he's an actor. He. Uh, Sadly, is probably best known as Grand Moff Tarkin from right. Star Wars. Yeah, uh, but he was in like you know hundreds of Hammer horror films. Huh. Uh, 
usually playing like Dr. Frankenstein or Van Helsing. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and of course, this is Tales from the Crypt, so it's an anthology, uh, much like the comic. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so his particular story, he plays this old man who basically, uh, is driven to suicide by his mean neighbor. Yeah. They, they like what did they, they wanted to to tear down his house for to like expand their house or something or? uh well they, they, he was like the trash collector in the neighborhood right and so they just assumed that his house was just full of trash and that it was an eyesore and that uh, he had dogs and kids over all the time so they just wanted to get rid of his house and, it was a no, they thought he was a just right. a out of place in their right. wealthy neighborhood exactly uh <clears throat> and even back when I was like 13, I'm pretty sure that this was the first time that I had ever noticed acting in a movie. Oh, yeah. To like, uh, to the point where like, I was like, oh, like people do this professionally and, and some of them are incredible at it <laughs> and, and can do amazing things while acting. It's not just reading that- lines. Was it because you recognized him from <clears throat> horror movies? No, or? no. Okay. I mean, I did, but right. you know, uh, but but no. I think Peter Cushing's performance in that story was fucking amazing. I agree. And, and uh, like, there's a point where, like, as sort of a prank to drive him out of town, like the entire town sends him just mean Valentine's cards. And as he reads them, and just the heartbreak on his face and in his eyes. Oh, yeah. Like, even back then, this that story just made me feel like someone punched me in the stomach. And oh, I wow. felt bad. Wow. Like, I just felt really bad. Yeah. And that is the one <laughs> thing that I remember about this movie, like, you know, from then till now. And it still hit you it pretty hard. It still hit me pretty hard. It was, like, kind of crushing. <laughs> like, uh, like wasn't, wasn't it just... Uh, the one shitty neighbor like wrote all those though. Uh, like I, I thought he wrote all of them and like made them look like they were from the rest of the town. Maybe I don't know. Uh, I don't think it was entirely clear on the right. Record, but but either way, yeah, <clears throat> it was like really dark because yeah. he was a nice guy. Oh yeah, like yeah. he he like had kids over and he wasn't like creepy about it. I mean, he just like you know gave him stuff that he found like cool toys and right, whatever and fix them up and, yeah, yeah. Of, and like he had these dogs and he took care of them there was little buddies and yeah it was really sad yeah. it was really sad because he was very likable yeah i agree that was i mean the whole movie i thought was well done and like oh, yeah. very um you know reminiscent of the comic i mean like it oh, retained yeah. it retained like what i like about ec horror yeah. um because it has like a twist and like it's all connected and like right, right. all these dark things are happening to mostly bad people. There was one story where you're like, "What?" <laughs> <laughs> yeah, because um, because yeah, spoiler at the ending, uh, they all. Well, I mean, throughout the movie, it's revealed that these are all bad people and they're being shown their futures by some mysterious guy in a cloak. Right. And at the end he reveals that uh you know, even though they haven't really done these things, they're just all unrepentant assholes. <laughs> and that uh, he just shoves them into hell. Yeah. Except for we see that one guy's story and it's like, well he didn't do anything. Yeah, yeah that guy was kinda nice. Yeah. He just was in the wrong place at the right time. 
It just goes to show you who you hang out with. Yep. You know, it'll get you in trouble. <laughs> yeah, so so that was uh, that. Uh, so, yeah, I was, I was very happy that that held up mm-hmm. and, and was still just as good as I remember it being. I'd never seen it, but yeah, I thought it was great. Uh, then I watched another movie uh, a couple days earlier, which uh, I actually I live tweeted, uh, and I know uh, Kurt uh, sort of followed me as I was uh, going through it. Uh, but I watched a movie called Beyond the Black Rainbow, uh, which is a sort of uh, uh, it's supposed to be like a retro '80s sci-fi movie, um, and it's awful. It is just boring uh, and pointless and just desperately wants to be so many other better movies. And it just isn't. Beyond the Black Rainbow. Yeah. Um, You would probably love it. Really? Yeah. Uh, (laughs) Is it like profit? (laughs) (laughs) Uh... There is some weird shit that happens in it. Oh, okay. But, uh, weird and it is, uh, at times, just weird for weird's sake. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so maybe you would. Like it. <laughs> oh, I don't, well, I don't always like weird for weird's sake. Sometimes that drives me crazy, too. Right. But. Uh, man, it, it was just, I mean, the biggest crime that I had was that it was boring. Yeah. And that's one thing that I can say for profit is that it was never boring. Right. It was just indecipherable at times <laughs> uh, but man Beyond the Black Rainbow was just uh, fucking boring I fell asleep for like a good 20 minutes during it at one point uh, so like you know, if Kurt, maybe that's where all the exposition happened <laughs> <laughs> no because the first time anybody spoke I woke up oh oh wow okay so it's a largely silent movie it, largely I mean it's not supposed to be but there, there's just so little dialogue and so little of anything actually happening. Beyond the Black Room. That's funny because that is my next pick. Oh, okay. <laughs> <Neato>. <laughs> and also, I now have to punch you because I said that I would punch somebody if uh, I ever suggested oh, it to me. Damn it. Oh, well. Let's get it over with. <laughs> uh, yeah, so uh, you, you got a pick? I do, and I can only hope that Netflix has it because I didn't bother to check. All right. But it, it's like a year-old movie, so right. I'm sure they've got it, right? I'm sure. Um, I don't know much about this movie. Okay. Other than I that read... usually doesn't play <laughs> well for us. <laughs> well, I read the review, the like the synopsis, not a review, but I read the synopsis of it, and it was, it was on a list of, like, well-received movies from last year, as was the last movie I... <laughs> Pick that you hate, uh, but you may have heard of this one. It's called "The Skin That I Live In." Okay, have you heard of that one? Uh, Antonio Banderas. Yeah, yeah, uh-huh. yeah, yeah. I've heard of it, of course. Okay, or "The Skin I Live In." I don't think there's a that in there. Yeah, whatever. Yeah, but yeah. Skin live in. Yeah, that's the one. Look those words up. You'll find it. Uh, <laughs> add Antonio Banderas if you need to. So you're cool with that one? Oh yeah. Okay. Uh, I believe it's already on my Netflix queue. Oh uh, hey, sweet. Sweet. Alrighty then. Well, that's awesome. Sweet. Not veto. <laughs> Not veto. <laughs> Alrighty then. 
Well, uh, I guess that's it for us. Yeah. You got anything else? Um, support your police. <laughs> that's our message. Sounds good. <laughs> uh, okay then. All right. Bye. Thank you for listening to Gutter Trash. You can subscribe to the show from guttertrash.net or from iTunes and leave us a review. Visit guttertrash.net for email information, links to our Facebook and Twitter pages, and for other podcasts and websites in the Gutter Trash Network. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next time. <laughs>